Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms. I'm honored to be able to share the word today, but I thought maybe we could have a little bit of fun before we start. Is that okay? Everybody? A little fun? Okay. So the other week, um, uh, I was at a conference with some of my coworkers, and um, the rest of the pastoral team, let's just say, doesn't carry a purse, okay? So we were there, and we're at Starbucks, and I needed something, like, from the bottom, of course, of the bag, and I'm reaching in, and I'm pulling out things, and we're just having a laugh over the things that are in here, and I was like, wow, I am truly a mom, and so I just thought, if you can relate, okay, you just wave at me, you're like, oh my gosh, that's totally in my bag, okay, we're going to look inside the bag, we're going to see what's in the bag, we'll discover something random, perhaps, but uh, here we go, let's see, well, first of all, a pull-up? Anyone? It's clean, I believe, I think. Anyone else have a pull-up in their bag? In particular, a pull-up, not just any diaper. Pull-ups. Okay. Anyways, I've got um, this nice sunglass case, and I realized, I looked inside it, and I was like, oh, they're kid glasses. I actually don't know where my own sunglasses are, because they're not in here. So, there's that. Um, what else? Uh, oh, Yeah. Finger puppet? Anyone? Finger puppet? Because, you know, as you do. Um, oh, and then I also realized I have not one, but two mom clips. So this is the new mom bun, is it not? Ladies, anyone else have a clip in your hair currently or in the bag? I have two. Yep. Uh, there's some uh, stain treater things which have not been opened. And in real reality, these should belong in my husband's pocket because he's way better at, like, actually caring about the stains and getting them out. Anyone have that one person in your relationship who's, like, this actual stain cleaner and the other one who just throws it in and hopes for the best? That's me. Yeah. I've got, um, what else have we got in here? Oh, yeah, the grocery bag, reusable grocery bag. Actually, I have one, and I have another one. My husband will be proud. This one represents the Dallas Cowboys. So all rolled up in there. I do have a wallet and other things, but hopefully this now deters you from stealing my bag because there's really not much value to you unless you're a mom. Maybe then this is worse, but (laughs) I trust all the moms in here, I think. All right. Well, (laughs) we're going to get into the word today. We're continuing with 1 Peter chapter 3, and today is actually focused on marriages, talking to wives and husbands. So we're continuing our series, though, on in light of eternity. And so as we read these scriptures today, my prayer is that we would see them in light of eternity and see them through God's perspective. Um, We're continuing from last week. Pastor Nathan really set up well how to um, submit to authority and governing bodies and what God is calling us to do, and particularly what Peter was encouraging the people of that time to do. And so it's very important to read all of these scriptures within the context that they were written. And so as we, I'm first going to read our passage today. It's just seven verses, um, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7, and then we'll talk about it. This is what it says. Wives, in the same way, 
submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So, as we step into these scriptures today, I am very aware of the reputation that they have in many circles. And for many people, these scriptures have a bad reputation. And unfortunately, it's for good reason. Because in many areas, in many places throughout history, perhaps even in our own context sometimes, these scriptures have been taken out of context. They've been misunderstood and even been used as a justification for evil things, for abuse of power or control or authority, manipulation. And so I've known for a few months that I'm going to step into this today, this conversation. And so I don't take that lightly. And actually, just a couple weeks ago, the timing could not have been better, but I went to a seminar just in Elmira, and it was called Not Alone. And the whole conversation of the seminar was about domestic violence. It was about... in. Um, intimate partner violence, and just bringing awareness to it within our community and how we as leaders can support people who are in those situations. And so before I even begin today, I just want to acknowledge that I am holding place today for people who have experienced abusive relationships or may have feel currently stuck in an abusive relationship. And I wanted to say one of the things we talked about at the seminar, which was so helpful, was that We need to talk about it and give space for that to recognize if that's you, you are not alone. And that it is important to reach out for help and not to feel trapped because I was in a room full of people who want to help. And there is a way forward where you can find safety and be in a safe place. And abuse is not okay. And these scriptures are not, that is not the heart of what these scriptures are about. And those who who inflict abuse. Actually, in Second Peter, in Peter's second letter, he has very strong things to say about people who use the scriptures and manipulate them for their own gain, for, to satisfy their own lusts, um, and use them for manipulation and controlling others. And so, but today my prayer is that as we step into these verses, that we would see them with fresh eyes. As I did, I had to make the choice to lay aside my own narrative, my own, even the things I've been taught or heard before, and say, God, what are you saying here? What, because I believe with my whole heart that God's word is good, it is for our good, and that he has put these scriptures here for us to benefit from, to learn from, and to understand his heart for marriages. 
And so that is my prayer today, is that the truth of what God was intending in, in putting these words in the Bible, that we would see that amidst all the lies that we may have, may have picked up along the way, but that we would see so clearly the truth of what God wants to communicate for our marriages to be strong and healthy. Amen? So I don't want to, I'm walking in that tension today, and I understand that. And so, but I also don't want to give way to fear and not speak about God's amazing and beautiful design for marriage. So that's the tension we're walking in today, and I wanted to acknowledge that right up front. But as we approach the scriptures, I encourage you to do what I did and to try to set aside your own narrative until we at least discover the context in which these scriptures were spoken into, so that we can understand the time that they were spoken into and what Peter's intention was. And if you haven't listened to the previous messages leading up to this point, remember this is one whole letter with one message that we can walk in light of eternity despite the suffering that we may face in the here and now. And so let's look at this, the first two verses again. Wives, In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over by, without words, by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. As a reminder, Peter is writing to the Christians who are being persecuted. They've been scattered throughout the Roman provinces in Asia Minor. And here he is specifically speaking to Christian wives. These are women who have chosen to follow Jesus. They have become believers. And as we see in the next verse, these women would have had the means to adorn themselves with fine clothes and jewelry. So this is suggesting that these women have wealthy husbands. Thus, their husbands would have likely held positions of authority in this society and would very much have cared about their reputation and their status. It would have been a very brave choice. Very brave choice for these women to become Christians despite what their husbands were choosing. And I want to make that clear. That when we're talking about wives submit to your husbands, we're not talking about weak-hearted women. Peter understands. He's speaking to women who have made a very brave choice in the midst of their culture and their time. Because to be a Christian was to be persecuted. And not just a slap on the wrist as as Pastor Nathan was talking about last week with the things that Nero would do to Christians. It was a big deal. It was dangerous. These women have made a very dangerous choice. And not only that, the conflict that it would have caused within her marriage to make this choice to follow Jesus. So Christianity at that time was very new and was considered a threat to the Roman Empire. And so Like I said, these were brave and determined women to choose to follow Jesus despite the personal cost. And I I think about the songs we we prayed and sang today about Jesus have it all. What a brave prayer. To truly say, and and these, these wives were saying that, I have chosen very intentionally and deliberately to follow Jesus despite what it may cost me. It's a beautiful thing what they have chosen to do, and it inspires me. Also, in this culture, it was a normal expectation 
that wives were submitted under the headship of their husbands. She would leave her father and his authority and his headship and come under the headship of her husband. And this was normal in their society. And so Peter is really not introducing anything new to her. He is saying, I understand the choice that you have made, which is countercultural and perhaps against your husband's wishes, but in all other matters, continue to do what you know to do to submit to his leadership and his authority so that in your marriage, you're not causing division because that's not what Jesus would have wanted. So it also, to be clear, says wives to husbands, not women submit yourselves to all men. It also says wives submit yourselves to your husbands, not husbands make your wives submit. This is an intentional choice on the position, on the the role of the wife to say, I have chosen to honor you, to submit to you as the head of this house and to honor the God-given authority that you have. And Peter is really saying, wives, your lives matter very much in light of eternity. Because if you're, it would be a very big deal for the wife to become a Christian, but perhaps even more so her husband, to go against that, that cultural norm to um, bow down to idols and to be involved with the things that they were involved with, and it would have been a very big deal. A lot would be on the line for him as well. And so Peter is saying, you have an opportunity here that as you continue to walk in humility towards your husband and to honor him and to be on his team, you could influence him for Christ, to change and to choose to follow Christ. And that would be a huge win for him and for you and for the world around you. Do you see the value of this wife? Because I think that sometimes the lies are that this wife has no value and she must give up some type of value or worth. And in reality, Peter is saying you have incredible value and worth and influence in your home and that hopefully your husband will notice your purity and reverence and be won over to Christ. Your influence will not be through rebellion or turning against your husband nagging him to repent or change his beliefs. Your influence will not be through slander or hidden motives or deceitfulness. That's not the way, but through humble submission. So let's talk about submission. Submission is, in the context of marriage, to willfully deploy oneself in service to their partner. I like that definition because that makes me think of servanthood. That submission is about servanthood. And Jesus modeled servanthood. He was fully submitted to his father, God. And we don't see Jesus as having less value, do we? We just see, wow, he chose not to count it, you know, to, to know that he was esteemed and he was great, but he chose to lay it down in order to serve. He did not come to be served, but he chose to lay down his life. And he was fully submitted to God. So submission is not a commentary on worth or value. It's about servanthood. And in fact, Jesus modeled servanthood, which in the kingdom of God is a measure of greatness. The last shall be first, right? 
And Jesus modeled that servanthood. So what, let's first talk about what submission is not, because I think that sometimes helps us to see. Submission is not the same as complete agreement, because in this case, these couples would not have been in agreement on a very important matter, their faith. And so submission is not, I agree with whatever you want. And Peter is not saying to these women, sorry, you can't follow Jesus because your husband doesn't want you to. He's saying, no, you continue to choose to honor God and to choose to put your hope in God and see that your husband, God has given him authority, but in honoring him, you honor God. And in honoring what God has put inside of him, you honor God. So it is not the same as changing their convictions or their beliefs, but upholding those within the context of their marriage and choosing to serve. Submission, in this case, was not ultimate obedience to their husbands, but it's ultimate obedience to God. And there's a good chance these husbands may have discouraged or criticized or forbidden their wives from being Christians, but ultimately he does not control her faith. His, her first allegiance is to God and his authority and to obey him. Submission is also not making your husband God or idolatry or worshiping him. It's not about that. It's not the same as our, our worship of God. God. Our husbands are not in that position. However, it is honoring the authority that God has given them and choosing to be on his team. Submission is also not about living in fear. Later in this scripture, Peter says, do good and don't give in to fear, which they very easily could have done. But submission is not a position of fearfulness, but a position of servanthood. Submission is also not passive. It's a verb. It's active. It's intentional. It's saying, my intention is to serve. My intention is to to come to honor you. Peter is saying your life matters, like I said. It's an active choice. Rather than saying, I don't care what you think, I don't care what you say, this is what I'm doing now. It's an active choice to say, I want to honor you, I want to honor your position, and I want to honor who you are and what God has given you in my life. And also, because I'm doing this because I'm honoring God. Submission is not saying, sit down, be quiet, check your brain at the door. It doesn't matter what you think anymore. Peter is saying the opposite. Your words, your actions, they do matter. And the way to shape them and be formed is to serve. It's an honor to serve. I love this next bit. It's interesting that it's put in here, talking about beauty. He says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. In that culture, outward adornment, the same as today, would have been seen as a status symbol. Those who had the means to buy expensive jewelry or expensive clothes, visit the hairstylist often. Those things were only available to the ones who could afford them. But Peter is acknowledging that you have the means to do that. However, understand God's perspective of what's beautiful and what beauty is. And it is not temporary. 
God's perspective of what's beautiful is something that is unfading. I love that. Unfading beauty. Because the hairstyles will fade. The fine clothes will wear out. The jewelry will tarnish or be lost or stolen. It's temporary. But what is not temporary is your spirit. And it is of great worth in God's sight. The gentleness and the quietness that you live your life with is beautiful to God. I personally love these scriptures as, as a reminder because sometimes it feels like there's this standard of beauty that we need to live up to as women. And God is really saying, that's not what's of great worth to me. What is of great worth is the beauty of your spirit. Gentleness, sometimes, if it, you know, it talks about the fruit of the spirit is gentleness. Sometimes that word is switched with meekness. And that word means strength under control. Gentleness is not weakness. It is strength under control. The ability to restrain. Quietness, that just speaks to me of peace. A spirit at peace. One that is not striving. One that is not trying to prove something. But that one that is at peace, that is just walking with God. How beautiful. I, I just think how, how imperfectly... How easy it is to get caught up in comparison and competition and all of these things. And I, I love this encouragement. Thank you, God, that you remind us that is not what I want my focus to be on. And what is truly beautiful is cultivating that spirit. And it says this in verse 5, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. This one is an interesting part of this scripture, but I love, first of all, that it's talking about see these holy women, and they would have very much wanted to be like these women and have honored them. And he's saying, see these women, they were adorned by their submission to their husbands. It was a beautiful thing, an adorning feature to be humbly submitted within your marriage. Not something to look down on, not something to frown on. It was a beautiful and adorning feature because these women, even the women, the holy women of the past, they were resolute in their commitment to following God and putting their hope in God. They were not pushovers they were God-fearing, and they were fearless. Sarah, in particular, is mentioned for her faith and hope in God and her willingness to honor her husband. And I think this is so interesting because Sarah, her, her husband was not perfect. You can go back and read about Abraham and some of the choices that he made. And if she had been waiting for him to show absolute perfect moral character, she would not have chosen to honor him. Because he made some very questionable choices regarding her even. And so, but she is commended for her faith in God. And she's commended for the way she honored her husband. And I just think that's important to see. She obviously understood something about what God wanted to do in her life and through her husband's life. 
She was not waiting for him to have perfect behavior to honor him. It was her choice to call him Lord, which notice here it's a small L, not a capital L, not like Lord of the universe, Lord of my life, but Lord as in like lords and ladies. It was a term of honor, you know, in the old English, this is the Lord and this is the lady, my lady, you know, like that. So he was choosing to honor him saying, Lord, as in, I honor you. I honor the position that you have. I'm not about to suggest today that we start calling our husbands lords because just (laughs) that'd be weird. Um, It doesn't have the same cultural relevance today, right? Um, but, But what it does say to me, it speaks about the importance of calling our husbands according to their God-given purpose, authority, and destiny, and not according to their behavior, perhaps, but to speak into what God is, how God sees them, and what God is doing, and how God has called them and anointed them and appointed them. That is a powerful position as a wife to be able to speak into that and to call it forth. And this is one that I felt like if the Holy Spirit was speaking to me on anything today, it is this point, because it is so easy for us to keep a list of wrongs. It is so easy for us, and the enemy wants to twist and, and help, wants us to work against each other, ultimately. And I love how it's saying here, my husband, I, I see that God has positioned my husband. He has given my husband authority. That is God's choice and design. And how the enemy wants to attack and work against my husband. I need to be wise to that. I need to have my eyes open to see that my husband does not need more criticism. He does not need more doubt in his ability and his purpose. He doesn't need more attacks against his self-worth or reminders of his failures. The enemy does a good enough job trying to convince my husband he's no good. And my husband needs help. (laughs) It's biblical. He needs help. God created Adam at the very beginning. He said, it's good. This creation was good. The man, good. But what was not good was that he was alone. He was not meant to walk alone. But God said, that's not good. I'm going to create him a helper suitable to him. A helper. That's the design of the wife, to come alongside and to help. And sometimes I feel like, am I actually helping? I have to ask myself that, honestly. Am I really helping? I want to be one who helps. Marriage is God's idea that those two would become one. It is a covenant relationship, and it represents the image of God. Can you think of someone else called the helper? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. A helper is not a derogatory term. It is a term of honor. And the Holy, I am not the Holy Spirit. Wives, we are not the Holy Spirit. As a reminder. However... I believe that we reflect the image of God in our marriages. And if we are the helper and the Holy Spirit is the helper, perhaps we also reflect some of the things the Holy Spirit does. And if we are listening to the Holy Spirit, 
then we can speak into our husband's lives like he does and on his behalf even to comfort, guide, discern, correct. (laughs) But we are to help. We're here to help. I looked up the definition of helper in dictionary.com. It says there's actually two, two definitions. And this is so interesting to me. It said, number one, a person or a thing that helps or gives assistance, support, etc. That's pretty self-explanatory. But the second is, this is so random, an extra locomotive attached to a train at the front, middle, or rear, especially to provide extra power for climbing a steep grade. But I love that picture. You have one locomotive full of power and ready to climb a steep grade. And you have another locomotive full of power. And when they get behind one another, when they are in line with one another to pull up that steep grade, isn't that a picture of life? Life is pulling up a steep grade. (laughs) And our husbands are pulling up the steep grade. Husbands, go. Go do. Go pull up the steep grade. We need you. We need you to bring your power to pull up that steep grade. But wives, come alongside and be that helper locomotive. We both have equal power, Holy Spirit power within us. And we pull together. It it does no good for those locomotives to pull in opposite directions. Something that my husband and I have said from the beginning, and we have tried, tried, tried to remind each other when we are like, pushing against each other, when we're frustrated with one another, when we're getting defensive against each other, say like, oh, we are on the same team. (laughs) We are on the same team. We are not on opposite teams fighting against each other. We are on the same team. And I just love that picture, the helper train coming in line and pulling up a steep grade. Peter is encouraging these wives to pull together with their husbands and to not allow their choice to follow Jesus to divide them but in all other matters, continue to walk in unity with him. That's the helper. Not a derogatory term, a term of honor. And finally, in verse 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So to husbands. The first part probably was spoken to Christian wives with unbelieving husbands, as we talked about. But this one, these husbands would have been believers. They would have made that choice to follow Jesus. This was also a brave choice, like I said. And so he is encouraging the Christian husbands, you have made a bold choice, and you have accepted the personal consequences of that. In the same way, just as wives are to submit with humility, husbands are also to walk in humility towards their wives, being considerate and respectful because she is a co-heir with you of the gracious gift of life. You know what co-heir means? You receive the same inheritance. She is an heir with you, meaning in the kingdom of God, in eternal perspective, you're equals. In God's eyes, she is not less than you. In according to culture, she would have been under your authority. And according to culture, who does not honor women, especially at this time, 
The culture was not honoring of women. And that's what he's really saying when he's talking about the weaker vessel. Paul or Peter is not being condescending. He's being realistic. He's understanding in this culture, socially, you are in a weaker, your wife is in a weaker position. She is not honored in the same way. She does not have the same rights to, to own things, to work. She does not have those same rights as you as the husband has. And so Peter is encouraging these husbands, be considerate and respectful. That in itself is countercultural. He's, not, he's saying, you, you could, you have the authority to put her in her place, but he's saying, no, because according to eternal perspective, you are equals, and value, and um, worth, and Jesus died for both, and he is saying, now, husbands, use your position of authority, use your position of strength to protect and honor and respect her, because the rest of the culture will not. But here in her home, you are the one who gives her that. In fact, may give up some like Jesus did in order to esteem and honor and affirm her. Even physically, your stature, God has given you a stature to protect, to carry weight. Jesus also did this. He modeled what this looked like in a culture which would have ignored or belittled women. Oh, that's what I didn't say. I was like, I'm missing a big piece of this message. Can I please back up? Okay. Husband. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm getting to it. We're good. Bye. I'm okay, right? Okay. Everyone take a deep breath. We're almost done. This is great. We're going to have lunch after this. Okay. No, guys, I did not want to live in fear of these scriptures. I wanted to come and say, God, help us to walk this out and see what you see. Because I believe that God cares about our marriages today. I believe that he cares that we walk in unity with one another and that we honor one another. It's good. Wives don't need a reason to feel weaker. To feel small, just like husbands don't need a reason, more reasons to be aware of their failures. Wives don't need more reasons to feel weak, to feel small or less than or insecure, to be overlooked, to be forgotten, or to be belittled. The enemy does a good enough job of convincing us of those things. And it is a daily battle for women and for wives to say, I understand the truth that I am a co-heir with Christ, and that I have value. And so you as husbands, respect your wives in that way, and honor and esteem and affirm her in that way. Um, And also, just a small note, but it does say, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So there is something that Peter is suggesting, that there is a correlation here between the way that you honor and respect your wife that could also impact your relationship with God. That is a sobering thought. And Peter is addressing this fact that, especially in this context, the husband had the advantage in this relationship. 
but don't use your advantage to further exploit or oppress her. Instead, honor her, care for her, consider her, walk in unity with her. That sounds like servanthood to me. It's the same thing, that servanthood. And that sounds like Jesus. And because God cares very much that those who were oppressed are set free. God cares very much about that. And he has, Jesus came to model and to show the value of women in that society. That was countercultural. And so husbands, Peter is saying, you can live like Christ and choose to honor your wives in the same way. If I could sum up what I see in these verses, I see humility, I see honor and respect, I see value and worth, I see servanthood, I see unity, I see an eternal perspective. I see that our lives matter to God. Our marriages matter to God. Even if you're not married in this place, I hope you can see those things. Humility, honor and respect, value and worth, servanthood, unity, keeping an eternal perspective. Because those are values of the kingdom of God. And those are values for all of us to walk out as imperfectly as we do it. Our marriages are meant to be a reflection of the image of God. And yeah, marriage is hard. It is. But it's so important and so valuable and so important that we pull together. Keep that picture in your mind this week of the locomotive, those trains pulling in the same direction. Would you stand and we can pray together before we close today? Maybe if you're with your spouse, you can hold their hand or let them know I, I heard that. <laughs> and and uh, so, yeah, this week is not about pointing out to your spouse, don't you remember what she said on Sunday? <laughs> It's about saying, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to honor. Help me to serve. Help me to to value. Help me to speak worth. God, I thank you today for your word. For your word that is good and for our good. I thank you, God, that, that you would help us to receive what we need to receive today Help the message to be clear and not be messed with by the enemy who wants to mess with these marriages. God, I thank you that you have called us to walk together. And so I speak a blessing over every marriage in this place. I thank you, God, that you would strengthen and encourage wives as they walk out their God-given calling, that you would help us to help. Help us to lift. Help us to encourage. Help us to honor. God, I speak over husbands that are so important and so needed and so valuable. God, help husbands to respect. Help husbands to honor. Help husbands to affirm and encourage and to give of themselves to love their wives. I thank you for all of us that we would model servanthood as you did Jesus, no matter what we face, 
no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what's going on in our lives, that our lives, as imperfectly as we do it, but our hearts desire God, is that we would reflect you. We would reflect heaven on earth. That people would see how we do not fight for what we think is ours and for our selfish motives and needs and wants, but that we choose to humbly submit to you, God, as the ultimate authority in our lives, as the one who we can trust to bring justice, to bring mercy, to bring grace, to walk in compassion. We thank you, God. We trust you in our lives. Our allegiance is to you and you alone. And I pray, God, that that honor that we bestow upon you would be modeled in our relationships as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.